The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm Reverend Dr. Douglas Kringle, and our guest here today is Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manor. Welcome in. Oh, it's a joy to join you. Thanks for inviting me. Deaconess Tiffany is the Director of Life Ministry for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And why beat around the bush, right, Deaconess Tiffany? Let's get into the serious conversation right away. We notice in the title, Director of Life Ministries. So what does the word life mean exactly in the title of the Director of Life Ministries? Here in Houston, we're, we have quite a scientific community. We have NASA. We also have the Museum of Natural History. And when you go to this huge collection of dinosaur exhibits, they have a lot of rocks at the front. And they say these are stromatolites and say that there's just single-celled animals that were here three, four billion years ago. And that's how life went and they define life accordingly. Is that is that what they mean by life in your title? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we have a pretty different understanding of, of what life means. And um, it's, it's fascinating to hear what uh, it's the local community in, in Houston describes as life. I actually spent uh, summers in Houston as a child growing up visiting my dad. I've uh, been to some of those places you mentioned, but uh, no, when, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, when, when we're talking about life, um, really we could spend uh, a lot of time you know, doing a, a full study of the Gospel of, of John to truly understand what is meant by life. But you know, the Gospel of John begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So that's really, you know, the essence of, of what life ministry is for the Christian. And, uh, you know, in my title, in the, the program ministry for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we're focused on the sanctity of all human life, God's ongoing act of creation to make every single person. And in scripture, there's a really clear understanding that life is a gift from God, given fully and abundantly in Christ Jesus, who, who died and was resurrected to redeem all people ever created. Now, in a, in a practical sense, that means um, that we focus on um, the things like, you know, beginning of life issues, uh, abortion, adoption, uh, bioethics, um, end of life issues, euthanasia, uh, care at the end of life, suicide prevention, and of course, the middle of life too. Uh, uh, disabilities ministry, mental illness and, and mental health. There's there's a lot of topics that are encompassed in, in life ministry as we understand it, but it's, it's really Christologically focused what God has, has done for us in Christ, starting with making us and, and offering every single one of our days. Well, have you always believed that definition of life you just gave us from John 1? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Explain where you stand today. It sounds like you did that a little bit already, but how you came to your current position. Sure. I have definitely had a great uh, movement in my life, a, a transformation in what I understand about life and, and, and really about God um, in, in Christ. Um, I 
I really, uh, in my um, younger years as a, um, a teenager and a young woman in my 20s, um, you know, this is going back um, before the, 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 our turn into the 21st century, you know, 30 years ago. Um, but then I would have defined life in language that would have really been uh, focused on the autonomy of humans. Um, you know, that a mother and a father make a baby, that that people ought to make choices about their death. Uh, so I was certainly pro-choice as a young adult. My perception and assumption was really that other people around me felt the same way. Um, you know, looking back, I, I think I absorbed what I was hearing in the culture as, you know, growing up in the 70s um, and in my public school and in my home, we, we didn't talk about um, life like uh, and, and God creating life. Um, I really, you know, didn't necessarily engage this, these topics and, and talk about it with my friends either. Um, I mean, I certainly would have known I was I was an advocate for euthanasia. I, you know, was publicly speaking, um, uh, advocating for euthanasia uh, as a as a teen and um, really in my college years. Um, and for me, I I really came up against the stark contrast between um, God's truth about life and what our culture was was uh, teaching about life, you know, continues to teach about life, uh, really on a, uh, a Sunday at church, at Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Congregation. I, I came into the church in campus ministry and in, in uh, college, uh, very, very fast uh, confirmation, um, instruction in learning the faith and probably not enough time spent on, on some areas like life. Um, and my husband and I had been married about six months and there was uh, a life Sunday at church. And I was really surprised by what the pastor was saying about life. Um, it was a, a pastor who was, it was new to, to me that I hadn't had before. And, you know, it took, it took a long time. It, it was not an overnight kind of experience. At first I was shocked. I was angry. And um, really it was a God giving a cloud of witnesses um, around me. I guess from Hebrews 12 uh, verse one, but um, people, my, my husband, our pastor, friends at church, you know, who, um, people who you know, lovingly taught me over a period of years, um, really raised my awareness, um, even in the community, by um, seeing our community rise up and begin talking about abortion because of Planned Parenthood was coming in. So I saw a lot of people speaking up and saying that um, abortion is breaking the fifth commandment. It's, it's murdering someone. And, um, you know, watching, listening to, to friends and people at church. And so, um, you know, in, in time, um, I, I certainly uh, gradually changed my understanding and, and began to embrace a, a, you know, a true confession of life. Uh, I was unexpectedly pregnant with our, our third child and my doctor, my obstetrician offered me an abortion. And that was when I really knew that I was wholeheartedly pro-life, but it, you know, it had taken, oh, a good eight, nine years to get there. So from there, I went on um, later years to, to work at a pregnancy resource center, a Christian pregnancy resource center, counseling women and uh, women who were considering abortions and right outside of abortion clinics, offered resources to women who were abortion-minded and abortion-vulnerable. I've served in disabilities ministry. I've turned as a volunteer on, on, on a number of pro-life organizations. So um, a really stark difference between my advocacy for, for death um, and, and now being able to serve and um, lifting up the value of life. I know that you have taken formal theological studies as you are a deaconess and a doctor. And in another forum, I understood you to talk about law, not so much jurisprudence, but two laws. One you noted as natural law, 
another you noted as divine law. What do those two terms mean, and how do they relate to life ministry? Yeah, well, that's a, another question. Um, people, I, I think, spend whole semesters of, of college um, and seminary classes just uh, um, really uh, mining the the, um, the theology of. But uh, in a in a, a quick summary, I mean, natural law is is given by by God. Um, you know, all all law is, is given by God. Natural law, divine divine law, um, by its very name, is obviously given by God. Um, natural law, we, we understand, you know, um, and that's Romans um, 2.15, and there's, there's other verses that describe this um, remnant of knowledge from when man was created. Um, and that that's the kind of understanding that, that good and bad exists. And so we have this, this law, this understanding that um, there are, are things in, in life that are, are inherently um, not good. Um, anthropologists will, will say things like, oh, there's uh, not a society that um, has uh, promoted murder as as good. Um, we could almost argue um, in, in contemporary society that, that that's been endorsed. But in a sense of, of murdering uh, people who are outside their mothers, there's never been a society, uh, so say some, that have, have valued murder. So that's an, a natural law. Um, but because in our um, uh, fallen nature and in this, the sinful, corrupted nature that, that we have as, as humans, our awareness of natural law is obscured. Uh, and we see this around us every single day. Um, so in the, in the pro-life movement, the pro-life world, um, natural law can allow us to have rational arguments for the value of human life, uh, arguing from science, say. Um, whereas divine law, um, you know, again, really clearly given by God, um, who, who gave man the, the Ten Commandments, he elaborated on them in scripture, and divine laws used in the pro-life arena as well. I mean, you know, that's the um, the fifth commandment argument: you shall not kill. And so Christians um, experience a response to the divine law. You know, it accuses them, it shows them um, their sin, um, and and of course, then um, they can respond to the, the need for a savior. You've noted also in another forum that you've observed three ways individuals transition from pro-choice to pro-life. You had listed by science, by faith, and by a combination of those two. Would you elaborate on that comment? Yeah, uh, people who are formerly pro-choice, including uh, myself, uh, there are a number of noted ways that they become convinced that human life is valuable and should be protected. And uh, pro-choice people are not all Christians. Um, there are, are people who are uh, convinced by science that I, I just mentioned a moment ago. There are a number of secular groups in, in the pro-life movement, um, atheists for life, uh, progressive anti-abortion uprising, feminists for, for life. And, and these are people who've been convinced um, by science, you know, whether it's fetal development, um, hearing things about the um, a child developing in the womb and, and when um, the heart starts beating or when they're capable of pain. Um, and, and that is what um, convinces them that um, life is valuable. And then there are people who receive faith and their hearts are changed. Uh, that's that's me, right? The, the, the person like myself who um, the Holy Spirit uh, poured out in God's God's word, um, uh, sacraments, you know, really changed me. I, I was I was taught, I re received faith and my heart was changed. But for some people, it's a combination of the two. Um, 
you know, when it when it's the Christian faith, uh, it's really obvious that it's God, you know, the Holy Spirit transforming a person from pro-choice to pro-life. But if a person's convinced by a scientific rationale, even if they don't know um, our, our God in, in um, Christ, um, they still are convinced by God because he's revealed that scientific knowledge to us. Um, he's revealed how he designed life and how life develops and is created in the womb. And so that's natural revelation. So, you know, with all three of the ways that people are convinced, it's it's really truly God working in them. And um, and we would pray that those who um, don't have a knowledge of, of Jesus would, of course, come to that fullness of truth, because that, that's the true full understanding of life. It's not solely about um, coming to an understanding of, of human development, um, but with the full and true abundant life um, found in Christ. You mentioned valuing. Years ago in the 1980s, the United Nations passed a legislation called the Rights of the Child. In this legislation, nation states throughout the world were challenged to improve foundational education, that is education for the youngest children. They made this argument based upon a way of valuing children, mostly economically. Does the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Life Ministries value children for economic reasons? If not, how does the LCMS Life Ministries come to value children? Oh, I'm glad you, you brought up the economic value. My, my first career and degrees were in business. Um, and so, uh, yeah, my, my brain is a little bit oriented towards economic systems. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about human life, when we're talking about a child. It is not about the worth that each person will, will bring to society. Um, it's not about creating uh, workers or um, creating citizens. Um, it, it's not about what a person does. Um, but who a person is, and that's what makes people with of all abilities um, and, and people with a, a variety of um, cognition valuable. Um, so the true value of each person is is because of God. Um, that the, the Triune God, you know, values them and created them, and that He sent His Son Jesus to be born as a human. And it's in um, His baptism, His perfect life, um, Christ's death and resurrection on behalf of every sinner that gives eternal life. And so. That also drives Christians to love and treasure our neighbors, little ones, disabled ones, everyone with the very same love that's poured out on us from our Heavenly Father. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to stay on the, the youngest of children for a second. Just it's my own background. You mentioned your background in business. I work with a, a church, the Family Faith Lutheran Church, and we offer early childhood education, but on two ministry locations. And this starts at as young as six weeks old. Understand that foundational education is the largest branch of education in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. How do you see foundational education or connect education in general uh, connecting with life issues? Yeah, so foundational education is really very important. Um, one of the, the primary areas actually of, of work that we do in LCMS Life Ministry is to um, teach people of all ages. And it's important that these, these tiny children um, come to understand from a very young age that God is the creator of life. Um, you know, that, you know, as I described, that Jesus was sent to redeem every life created. I've, I've got a little granddaughter. She's not even two years old yet, um, but she already knows that the ultrasound picture that her mom has framed and in the living room is, is her. She points to it. She points to herself. And she's learning that, you know, she was alive before she was born. Um, 
And so as you know, we have this opportunity to teach children that they were alive before they were born, that they were a person uh, before they were um, held by their, their parents, um, that, that God created them and he sustains them through all earthly life, including suffering. Um, and um, as they you know, come to have that understanding, then, then that will sustain them through all of life. That, you know, we rely on God and he's present with us through everything. And that really prepares them for all of the things that um, this temporal earthly life with no shortage of challenges, you know, will hold for them in the years to come. Thank you. Myself, again, having grandchildren, as you noted, but also working with early child education and care now 28 years, I'm noticing a language that I don't think I'll ever quite learn. It's a social language spoken in the Ministry of Early Child Education and Care, and it appears to me to be a language of mothers who have young children in their care. How can LCMS Life Ministry help the church learn to speak modern mom? Another way to put that is how can LCMS Life Ministries help the church communicate and relate to modern moms who may hold pro-choice beliefs, or how can LCMS Life Ministries help communicate with modern moms, as many of those mothers may be suffering from post-abortion trauma themselves? Yeah, that's a, a really important question. There's a lot of, of women um, and men affected. Um, and, and these, um, you know, young women, as you noted, um, have, have learned a social emotional language that, that not all generations have. Um, and that's certainly being in taught in, um, in schools and, and certainly in present in early childhood centers as well. And, and so, you know, as Christian, we, we do need to be prepared to share the truth and to love our neighbors. Um, you know, above all, like having compassion and, and empathy, even even if um, you and I, Pastor Doug, um, you know, if we grew up in a different era, we have different language and, and um, ways of, of talking about our experiences than, than these um, this younger generation. We can still, you know, be compassionate and empathetic and, and share the gospel with people and how to share uh, Christ's mercy. Um, you know, one out of four women in the United States, statistics will tell us, um, will have an abortion by the age of 45, 25%. That is a lot of women out there walking around who are um, uh, post-abortive, um, you know, may have this trauma, um, but you know, it ripples out from uh, the woman who has an abortion to the fathers of the baby, you know, friends, family members. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that every family um, in the US may have been touched by abortion, you know, whether it's a, a cousin or a friend or someone. And so all, Every day, people around us are making these decisions about abortion, and, and more and more people are experiencing the after effects. And they're, they're right around us in schools, activities, workplaces, sitting next to us in church. I always tell people, you know, just assume that someone with an earshot of you has experienced the trauma of abortion. Just assume that. So they may have um, pain. Um, you know, they, they certainly need compassion, um, love, and, and forgiveness in Christ. And so if we speak with them, um, you know, with, with all people in our lives, really with compassion and try to have empathy for the, the pain and the grieving that may be happening um, and pour out the gospel on them. Um, that, that's really the best way we can interact with folks. We have about five minutes left, and this has just been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, Deaconess Tiffany. A visit to www.lcms.org backslash life gives a person a lot of information. 
several things there noted, one being the Dobbs versus Jackson decision, which itself could be uh, a book, right? Would you like to make comment upon that part of the web page? Sure. Our um, statement that we, we published from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod on the Dobbsy Jackson decision was um, you know, really our expression that we were glad that Roe v. Wade had been overturned. And, um, you know, really for Christ's church, we want abortion to become unthinkable, you know, that all children created would be born into the family that God designed for them, a mother and a father. Um, and then also, as I was just talking about, you know, there's we have compassion and empathy for the many people around us suffering from an abortion decision. You know, uh, we know, though, that even um, with the uh, it, the legality of abortion being pushed into the state legislation and and, um, and uh, variety now of, of um, statuses around the country, you know, Texas, um, thanks be to God, um, abortion has been restricted for over a year now. Um, but that's not the same. Um, and that's not the same as ending abortion. So while we're, we're glad for restrictions, we're glad for um, abortion to be in the hands of, of the people in the legislative and, and um, a policymaking decision, we're still needing to work to care for women and children um, to make abortion unnecessary and, and unthinkable for people. As you went uh, mentioned earlier, the webpage has many different applications, infertility ethics, adoption advocacy, suicide and mental health issues, the Million Dollar Life March, Life Mark. There's an actual movie review on the website, which was quite <laughs> surprising. I don't usually go to a life page to get a movie review. And then there's also the Friends for Life podcast. If people were interested in knowing more, where would they go? What would they do? There's a, a life march of some sort, maybe many of those, uh, life conferences. How can we get connected? Yeah, so probably, uh, you gave the address for the website, you know, www.lcms.org slash life. Um, there's all kinds of things there. Uh, we have um, an email if folks wanted to reach out individually and ask questions. Um, that's a great way to find out exactly what's what's going on in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and how we partner with other um, pro-life organizations. Um, and the email address is lifeministry at lcms.org. So all together, lifeministry at lcms.org. Thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation and I really appreciate it. We've covered a lot of ground from stromatolites all the way to uh, the newest jurisprudence out of Washington, D.C. and the Supreme Court. Would you be kind enough to conclude our visit here today with a word of prayer? Oh, absolutely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for the life that you created and the mercy that you pour out on us each and every day. Um, be amongst those who um, speak up, confess, and witness for human life, that they may share your word, um, fully known through Christ Jesus to all of the people that they come into contact with. Give them um, compassion and eyes to see the people who are hurting and the ways that they can serve to further um, your kingdom and, and the life efforts in their communities. Um, above all, um, strengthen them through the Holy Spirit so that um, all that they do to, to love and serve their neighbor um, can be focused on you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manor is who we're speaking with. This is Reverend Dr. Doug Kringle. Thank you for joining us on Engaging Truth. Join us next week.
Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.